Welcome to Dr. Eric's Relentless Vitality Podcast. Our focus is on optimizing physical and mental vitality, maximizing performance, and extending lifespan. Dr. Eric is a licensed physician with a wealth of expertise in age management and preventive medicine, whose goal is enabling his patients to stay young, feel their best, and enjoy a higher quality of life. You have a light that makes you look tan, or is that your red light? No, it's some other light. Let me. You should just set, just set it to, it, yeah, okay, that's better. That's like, yo, come on. I have a spray tan book tomorrow night, people. I know you guys all missed, missed my major <laughs> orange face, but right. anyway, what's going on? How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Good. Did you have for people to come on. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, his parents came up Sunday. We grilled. Nice. I work, worked a lot, you know, got the gym on. You obviously got color anyway. Yeah, we were outside. My neighbors have a uh, kind of a kind of a bigger backyard with a, a pool. It's a, you know, a smaller pool, but a big pool house. We always congregate there and we all bring a ton of food and swim and just chill out. So it was good. Awesome. Yeah. Played a cool game. There's a like you put these little spikes in the ground and you have like this, it looks like a beer bottle, but it's like heavy rubber and you have to throw the Frisbee and try to knock the beer bottle off the stand. So there's two, two people on either side. It's like, you know, if you drop the Frisbee, you get a point. If you drop the bottle, you get two points or something like that. But it was pretty fun. That's funny. College. It's like adult drinking games. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors who lift and drink, guys. See. I mean, I was watching people do this. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. No, people like that we keep it real and, you know, we kind of walk the walk, talk to talk, whatever. But then we're also human where we can be like, listen, we drink alcohol. Well, I haven't drank in a while, but just because just I just feel like crap. But uh, we All also right. eat cake and, you know, cookies and cookies. stuff like that. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to live life a little bit, you know, you know, stick to it most of the time, but it's okay to, to have some fun. Everybody, I think I post about bourbon quite a bit. I love my bourbon. So I try not to do it. Yeah. Too much. That's a man thing. That is so a man thing. I can't get into bourbon. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'll drink Tito's on the rocks. I bring my Neo or my water enhancer and, and make lemonade with squirting, you know, lemon juice in it. And it's like healthy lemonade. I mean, there you go. I drink, I drink to get drunk. There's no other reason <laughs> to socially enjoy yeah, you're, on a mission. you're on a mission only, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. We got a bunch of people. Hi, Matt. You said hi earlier and waved, and I never waved, but hi again. Hi, everybody. So, welcome, welcome back to uh, Testosterone Tuesday. Part two. Part two. That's right. Yeah. Hosted by yours truly, Ali G, with Dr. Eric, the fitness physician, as that rolls off the tongue so very well. Yes. So... Last week, we covered kind of some of the basics of um, are you a candidate for TRT and what would make somebody a candidate for TRT? You guys can find that on our Instagram uh, TV in case you missed that. This week, we're going to go over some of the myths and misconceptions and fears that people have surrounding that. I have a bunch of questions that people submitted through Instagram, as well as all the ones that we kind of know exist, like the cancer and the heart attack and all that stuff. Um, but I will start off with saying I have not started my testosterone cream yet. However, it will be arriving, I was told, in two days. Come so, Dan, Come. from your, your office. Um, so I, you know, I said, when are the steroids coming? I'm going to get aggressive. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I actually, 
I'm very transparent with this and I'm going to document my whole journey for you guys because as you know, I am a fitness professional. This is what I do for a living. So I eat a very good diet. I lift very heavy even during, you know, this whole thing I've got access to weight and I do everything that I feel I can to stay hormonally balanced and even I end up with very low testosterone. Don't know why. So for women, like the range was 8 to 48 and mine was 12. And then the free is a uh, 0.7 to like seven and your, your girl was 1.5. So, you know, we got to get that up. So luckily I don't have libido issues. You guys know me, I'm a major perf, but we're going to basically help, you know, with muscle retention and gaining muscle and some fatigue and some other issues. So you guys will see that whole journey. So I am not afraid of it. Um, however, we know that there are definitely concerns, especially with a lot of my clients who want to dabble in it or afraid to or basically have heard just everything under the sun so are you ready to start let's go all right so some of the basic things we'll start with is um some people wanted to ask does taking testosterone replacement cause mood swings and if so why yeah, that's a good question. Um, a lot of people ask that, especially the, the, the history of testosterone. A lot of the, the kind of the old myths were like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get like super mean and aggressive. And, you know, a lot Lord of that, rage. Yeah, you know, raging. That kind of a lot of that stems from the old days back in the, you know, unfortunately, the 60s or more the 70s and 80s when testosterone and steroids were huge. And these guys and mostly from the bodybuilding culture where they were doing massive doses of this. So, yeah, you, they could get a little aggressive and they were kind of had that that Spartacus mentality anyway. So just kind of made more of that now actually what and so busting that myth is that a lot of guys and women have the flip side um there tends to be an association with more depressed mood apathy um social anxiety things of this phobias uh with lower uh or unoptimized hormones so once you fix that that they have less anxiety now people may become more confident in themselves that feel better therefore they may become a little bit more outgoing and kind of bust out of their shell but that's not the same thing as aggressiveness there's a difference between motivation and assertiveness and aggression or hostility very different things so that's kind of sometimes that line gets blurred but um so that's that's kind of a big myth now that being said there are some people who um just for whatever reason don't do well in testosterone they can get more anxious that's all that'll probably be a whole nother podcast that's where we're getting the the certs you know, the serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors uh, magnesium deficiencies uh genetic snips or there's some genetic variances which lead them to uh be poor metabolizers of those neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin um, and some things like that. But those are, that's a conversation for another day. But for those people out there, that's more of a, those are more of the exceptions in the rules, but it does happen. Or I will say, uh, just, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, or the people that are just mis mismanaged, they go to these T clinics, they just run a through mm -hmm. testosterone and an astrozole, and then they don't optimize everything else. Like I've talked about before, it's a, it's a, it's a symphony. There's many different things to it. And you want to make sure you're working. Someone knows what the hell they're doing. I, I have a lot of patients come to me. They've been mismanaged. And I have to replace certain missing micronutrients or certain hormones like DHEA or pregnenolone, some of these upstream precursors to testosterone um, that, can, that can lead into that. So, again, that's, that's a more deep uh, thing we'll get into later. But, uh, but overall, busting that myth. Um, but there are some exceptions. And we can talk about that later. Yeah, I think, you know, overall... Um... A lot of clients that I um, that I have who end up going on it find themselves in a more stable mood and their decision making is a little bit more clear to them and their drive to be able to make 
like decisive action and, and those decisions is a lot easier. So, and, you know, like Eric said, it, it does go up and down just like anything. You know, I, I get a lot of clients where I have to fix, fix their metabolism where they've kind of been starved and, you know, overtrained and stuff. So physiology, when it comes to hormonal balance and it comes to anything is very delicate. So it will be a unique situation for everybody, but finding your protocol is part of why having a doctor who knows what they're doing is part of the solution. So, um, uh, piggybacking onto mood swings. So acne specifically on the back that tends to either scare people or it happens when guys first go on testosterone and it may show up in the face as well. Can you describe what some of those, uh, solutions and causes could be? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is kind of similar to the first one where if, if a lot of guys are mis being mismanaged that their doses are way too high or their nutrition's off or there's something else off kilter, they can get some acne. Now, sometimes that's a simple fix. We adjust, you know, their diet. Maybe they're going testosterone, but they're all, also eating like shit. Um, or, you know, they're not, you know, taking care of their skin with just basic hygiene, you know, just simple stuff. Uh, and that usually fixes. Sometimes it's just a tincture of time, giving a little bit of time for the body to adapt for those receptors to adapt to that, and then it'll just kind of go away. Now, there are some guys who are just more uh, acne prone, and again, it could be a, a dermatologic, a skin condition, you know, uh, uh, some issues with their pores, etc. Usually, you know, sometimes it's, it could be a simple dose adjustment, a temporary a, a dose adjustment on the testosterone, and that'll take care of it. Um, other times, it might just be a simple um, a skin skin treatment for all. So some guys, I mean, you could put them on uh, topical antimicrobials or antibiotics. or sometimes uh, there's different types of creams and things that will usually take care of uh, topical skincare. Usually just fixing the underlying issues, um, adjusting the dose, and doing some basic care and hygiene. That can be taken care of pretty quickly. Yeah, remember like, remember Oxy? Was it Oxy 10 back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> the Oxy. Many, yeah, you know, I've really not had too many guys have issues with with some of the other things that people maybe we'll talk about this later that people worry about uh blood counts and just all these different things if you, if you if you again if you treat them properly you won't have these issues so I've, i rarely don't have problems with that very often yeah well you know we live in a society where more is better so if you know 200 milligrams caffeine works then 600 is going to work better same with testosterone guys will self uh, increase their dose if they don't feel a certain effect within a week or two. So um, I probably froze because I think the, the phone froze there, but I hope everybody yep, heard me anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get into the dirty stuff, which by dirty, I mean the big ones that scare people. So when I have conversations with a lot of my executive men, the number one thing they say, well, my doctor told me that it causes cancer, or there's no sense in looking at my testosterone levels over a certain age because there's nothing I can do about it because any type of hormone replacement will cause cancer, uh, specifically prostate cancer, which is one of the bigger ones. So let's tackle that. Why is that a myth and, and why, where did that come from? Yeah, that is a big myth. You know, Abraham Morgenthaler is a well-known Harvard uh, trained and uh, Harvard urologist who's been talking about this for decades and then there's been numerous studies kind of debunking this myth but sometimes Hi, the original stuff we've heard can you hear me yeah yes so um there was one study way back when um a gentleman by the name of Huggins did a study with uh 
it wasn't even the, the current PSA test. It was an older test that isn't even used anymore, the acid phosphatase, where they picked it up and noted that it it was that there with a with a higher a gentleman with a higher testosterone level had a cancer when they and, the, and then when they dropped it, it it cured but you know now it's more about it's a more detailed thing beginning what's called the saturation theory but the bottom line is that study after study after study has clearly shown that there's a higher risk of aggressive prostate cancer and just prostate cancer in general with lower testosterone levels and once you get above a certain level your risk actually decreases even guys who have uh, a, a little what they call uh, cancer in or like a, a PIN, static epithelial neoplasia. So it's a tiny little precancerous lesion. When they have lower testosterone levels, that, that'll actually expand or grow faster. So, um, you know, back in the day, you know, decades ago, they used to treat uh, prostate cancer with estrogen and estradiol. And there's some, some uh, physicians around in the world who are actually treating certain types of cancers with testosterone, breast cancers, uh, um, guys who were prior prostate cancers being given testosterone and doing better. So it's kind of, it's been a paradigm shift, but um, it was basically it had to do with this old study that showed that taking away testosterone, what they call androgen deprivation therapy, or basically medically castrating these guys, their cancer would weigh. Well, maybe for some of them, but then they also massively increased the heart attacks, so strokes, of coronary vascular disease, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, osteoporosis, and they were dying. Not They didn't die of their cancer because they didn't live long enough. They died of heart attacks and strokes and diabetes complications. So, um, you know, once again, they dozens and dozens of studies since then have shown that Higher, the higher your testosterone levels, the less likely you're going to have it. And if you get it, it's going to be less, less aggressive. The guys that get limit, the lower levels are actually correlated with the higher aggressiveness of prostate cancer. And that's obviously not a good thing. I've had um, four clients who have had the surgery who have been diagnosed with it. Um, and then a couple of friends whose fathers have had that. And, you know, they all are like, oh, I'm going through the androgen deprivation therapy and the drugs and everything. And then they're just absolutely miserable. So if, if you have a family member or a friend who happens to end up diagnosed with this, do you, like, what's the direction that you send them knowing the information that we know and that they may not even have to go through that whole castration process because they're going to trust the surgeon. They're going to trust the oncologist that they're dealing with. So what can they do to kind of raise awareness or maybe get a second opinion? Yeah, I apologize. I have a bad connection, Ali. Sorry about that. I missed some of what you said. So that's okay. Opinion about what if they have a diagnosis of cancer or? Yeah. So if, if somebody has prostate cancer and I've dealt with this with, with some clients and friends where they're going through the androgen deprivation therapy, so they're completely being castrated. And I kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, like, all right, I understand what's going on. Um, but if somebody has prostate cancer, where can they go to get a second opinion or to go seek out someone who actually understands the evolved um, research behind maybe not castrating somebody? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the guys that are that are being more aggressive and certainly Abraham Morgenteller or Neil Rousier, I mean, they've got... Um, They've done some of these things and they've they've got some support from but most your standard urologists or family practice doctor or doc like you know hormone specialists like myself they they're just practicing in isolation is a little more risky because they're going to come under backlash from the kind of the old medical guard that's just not used to that so you know you might want to reach out to uh, any of us who are associated with organizations like world like medical or the andrology uh, uh, society um you know, Abraham Morgan tells several, I mean, he's obviously very difficult to get a hold of, but, you know, anyone in that network would know of someone uh, who could who could refer or at least get a second opinion. Anyone in the world like medical society, uh, like myself, or, you know, again, there's there's lots of us all around, would 
probably be a good source for a second opinion. Yeah, because I know even when, you know, when I mentioned how they're treating certain levels of prostate cancer with, with super physiological levels of tests, you get looked at like you have 12 heads. And it's not really my arena to go in, but I just kind of offer that as this is what's going on now. Maybe we can kind of research other info, so. Definitely, definitely. And, and a lot of guys, like I said, um, now that are getting... again kind of a cutting edge type stuff but again this has been this was done decades ago and it'll help men um they won't do anything with the cancer but if anything the resolution of the cancer because the estrogen will actually get high doses will kill the prostate cells but it'll also improve everything else like we associate that when with getting giving estrogen to women lowers the risk of heart attacks of cardiovascular disease improves our their blood vessel function uh, improves their bones, they don't get osteoporosis and fall break ahead and makes them feel a hell of a lot better so they're not miserable. These guys are on anterior deprivation therapy. They, they just want to die. They, they look and feel absolutely terrible. Yeah. So this can, this can actually help them. So it, it's a good segue because we could spend so much time on this and, and we'll, we'll go further into why men need um, good levels of estrogen. So you had mentioned that when they were doing a lot of these trials that a lot of guys were dying because all of a sudden they had such low T levels, low estrogen levels. So heart attacks, that's one of the big, you know, scares is that testosterone causes heart attacks. And I know one of the studies that it was linked to was with androgel where their test levels weren't even brought up maybe past 300. Clearly we don't hear about androgel much anymore and they didn't really monitor estrogen levels. So, can we kind of go into you know where that came from and why that still is a thing? Obviously, we know a lot of it has to do with some of the estrogen suppression that the bodybuilding world has, but where exactly did this fear come from? Yeah, I think that was part of it. These guys that were doing super massive doses and then taking an asterol and dropping their estrogen to zero. The estrogen is very cardioprotective or protective of heart function. So by raising one and massively dropping your body completely off kilter, and that's where a lot of these things happen. Some of it has to do with just what they call just association studies. So, you know, it's like, you know, they would say these guys, okay, here's a guy, he had a heart attack, but he, he was known to have this testosterone level. Well, he died. Well, it must be from his testosterone. Well, no. Uh, classic example saying, okay, I go to a scene of a fire and there's a fire truck. Uh, okay, well, that must mean the fire truck caused the fire, right? No, it was associated because it was there. It was just an innocent bystander. So uh, what they found out is later, again, hundreds of studies have been done since then in the last several decades showing that, uh, in, you know, more optimized levels of testosterone actually have improved uh, blood vessel function, improved uh, what they call cardiac contractility, how, how well your heart can squeeze the blood out. Uh, your blood vessels actually relax and allow better blood flow. They've done even done studies on guys who and men who've had heart attacks or congestive heart failure where their heart's not pumping, and they have improved outcomes with higher testosterone. Um, it's also been shown to improve uh, or reduce the risk of atherosclerosis or clotting or, or arterial plaque or placking in the arteries. Um, and that's been shown with carotid uh, ultrasound. They look at that and they see that actually is improved with more optimal levels of estradiol and testosterone. So uh, I think that's where the myth kind of started. But again, now that they've actually studied it and then actually done a trial where they on testosterone and raise their testosterone and raise their estradiol, now they can see what's the cause and effect. Now they see by raising these things, all these things drop. In other words, their their survival rates improve. Their risk of heart attack or stroke goes down. Their blood pressure goes down. Their lipids, their blood, their blood lipids improve. All these things actually improve when you treat it. 
Um, so I think that's kind of where the myth started. And of course, you know, like we talked about earlier, um, you know, some of these, you read about all these bodybuilders and things who have died at a relatively young age, a lot of them were just being mismanaged and dropping their estrogen going way too big and stuff, plus all kinds of other stuff going too. So um, again, if you look at the head-to-head -head studies um, of what does what, if you put someone on a treatment, what happens? Well, again, you, you, you optimize those hormones and they actually have less risk of all these, these heart conditions. So bottom line, busted, it doesn't do it. It doesn't, uh, testosterone doesn't cause heart attacks or strokes or all these things. It actually will improve, if anything, will improve things. It's amazing, you know, we find this in, in diet culture too, where people just believe anything, you know? They're like, oh yeah, yes. you know, I, I read that, it's bad. Okay, cool, like, I could read a lot of things depending on the source, but, you know, what is the source and who did you read this from and why are you believing them? And these are very highly intelligent individuals that deal with billions of dollars every day. And it's like, you know, Netflix documentaries, that's where everyone's truths are coming from lately. It just drives me crazy. But I feel like we've made some great strides lately in the past at least three years of just pushing forward the education for men to realize that this is completely safe. If anything, don't, don't be afraid of going or going to see a medical professional such as Eric and then understanding more why testosterone could be a great solution for you. But if you're gonna drink alcohol and be worried about this stuff, like alcohol is way more of a toxic poison than testosterone. Testosterone you need. And it actually can solve so many things. I sound like I'm like selling it. So if you guys sign up for about $100,000 a month, I can prescribe, no, <laughs> I actually do get asked a lot, like if I could prescribe and then, then I get people from like Europe or wherever, they're like, oh, click on this site, I will sell you all the androgens. And it's, that's the spam that I get. I don't get so much like the dick pics and stuff, but anyway, that's my little rant. So uh, <laughs> next week, we will kind of be going over how you guys can work with the both of us and how that would benefit you from working with, you know, two people who are completely psycho, but really cool, but actually who can put together the dream program. So where you have a doctor and a fitness professional who are both on the same page, who understand physiology, who understand actual physical fitness, who both understand nutrition, who both understand supplementation and how that can just force somebody to go into a path of success where everything is monitored and optimized and there's a clear path of communication. Um, it's done some wonders for, you know, some of our mutual clients so far. And as I said, I keep you guys, you know, updated on my TRT cream when that arrives, which I have to apply scrotally, right? Twice a day on my scrotum. Cool. Right on the, right on the little boys, yep. And of course the phone froze. <laughs> Of course, the phone froze as I did that, which means it's time to get off, Valley. So anyway, um, there's no questions this time. Everybody just, I think, kind of want to listen to, or, you know, what they basically hear all the time about these myths and misconceptions. So thank you again for taking the time tonight. Uh, and now, oh, now Ethan asks a question. Do you know of a relationship of TRT? and the increase in tinea blooms. Ethan, I have no idea what that autocorrect means. Please speak English. <laughs> if, they're, if they're talking about tinea as a type of ring, if they're talking about ringworm or a fungal infection, I'm not, I've not seen that. Hmm. Yeah, no, those are the, the foreign countries. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tune in next week as I'll echo uh, Ali's comments that like what she mentioned that there's a lot of information out there. So we'll cut through the crap and tell you what works and what doesn't work. And there's, you know, we cut through all that informational overload and, and tell you the just, you know, what, what, what the reality is. So tune in next week and uh, fire off any other, well, there's a lot more myths out there too. I'm happy to bust those for you. So if you have any questions, fire them off. Yeah, Ethan, we'll message you separately. But otherwise, thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys.